chapter 15. So all these things are very, very important for us to consider and to learn and to pray through and ask the Lord, help uh, you know, me, Lord, with these things to work them out in my lives. But before we get into verse 14 in our study, let's pray. Father, we do ask, as we're going through these sections, these verses, and a lot of instruction given to us and commandments given to us and how we are to be a living sacrifice for you. And Lord, I pray that you would work these things out in our lives, that right now that we would be attentive, we would remember that we want to just really quickly check those ringers on our phones and turn them off and be attentive to you, Lord, and, and to receive these things that can be difficult to be worked out in our lives. We can't do it in our own energy and flesh. But Lord, the work of the Spirit, as we rely on you, as we trust in you, as we surrender to you. So Lord, may this study be a benefit and a blessing to all of us here this morning as we read these things and Lord, apply them in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So in verse 14 of Romans chapter 12, we read, Bless those who persecute, and bless and do not curse. So Paul, repeating what we are told by our Lord in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, that we're to love your enemies. Jesus said, Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully persecute you. And, and as I read this, as we get into uh, these uh, verses on reaction, how we react to others, particularly when they do us wrong, when they come against us, when they persecute us, uh, I got to be real honest. I like the actions, what we covered last week, more than the reactions that we're going to cover, you know, this morning. Listen, being a Christian, living for Christ, we will have those who will come against us. We will have those who will hate us, and we will have those who will persecute us. Jesus said that. He said that the world's going to hate you because it first hated me. And they're going to come against you, and they're going to hate you for my namesake. And I think it's really important for us as Christians to, to know that, especially in the atmosphere of our culture today that's getting further away from the Lord, that as you and I are desiring to be a living sacrifice unto the Lord, that uh, culture is going to come against us, the world and people are going to come against us personally. And it was Paul the Apostle, when he was writing about in the last days, what it's going to be like, he would go on to say to young Timothy, that Timothy, those who live godly in Christ Jesus, will suffer persecution. Now, we may not suffer persecution in a way that our brothers and sisters do, perhaps in some parts of the world, in the Middle East, or perhaps in the Africa, or in the Far East, where they are killed for being a Christian, or thrown in prison, heavily persecuted. But we will experience some kind of persecution. We will experience people coming against us to one degree or another. And it's interesting, as we read this, that the word bless, bless those who persecute, is where we get our English word eulogy. And, and it means literally to speak well of someone. So the verse reads here that keep on blessing, speaking well of those who keep on persecuting you. Now, my flesh doesn't want to do that. And I wanted to say what this verse does not tell us to do. This verse doesn't tell us that you are to continue to be taken advantage of. This verse doesn't say that we are to continue to be abused or, or you know, to be... A, 
a doormat for people to walk on and be taken advantage of, all those things. That's not what it's saying. But what it's telling us that those who speak bad of us, who come against us, we are not to have a hateful attitude towards others. You see, my flesh, and I'll speak for myself, when somebody comes against me and speaks, you know, against me or uh, does something rotten to me or persecutes me in any way, what my tendency is, I want to gather an audience. I want to gather a posse around me to, to help me and to, to hear me and to, um, you know, to be able to speak my voice. And we naturally want to do that. Paul was one that was persecuted greatly. We know that. And he never, I see, expressed hatred towards those who persecuted him. He would be honest at time. He would say, like, Alexander the coppersmith has done me much harm. And he would talk in that way. But as we saw in this epistle, that he would express sorrow and grief for those who came against him. He felt that for his countrymen that persecuted him very heavily. And in chapter 10, we know that Paul the Apostle would say that he continually prayed for them. He would say that I wish I myself were a curse for the salvation of my countrymen. So Paul had a real heart for people, and even for those, he had the right perspective of those who persecuted him very, very deeply and continually. And I think that the key for any of us towards that person or persons that persecute us is not to curse them, but to pray for them, to trust that God will help us to be our protector and our defender. And David was very good at that as well, wasn't he? David had a lot of people come against him. Either the whole nation, it seemed like, you know, really loved David, or the whole nation would come against him. And that happened at times. And David, persecuted by Saul, had Saul's army that pursued him. And David was one that we see in the Psalms that he would write about those who sought his life, those who lied about him, those who walked the streets looking for him, that did wrong to him and harm. And David would express the difficulties and the fears that he would go through. But David always had a way of turning to the Lord. And he would say, Lord, you're my protector. You're my defender. You're my high tower. You're my help, my very present help in time of need. And the Lord is our help as well. He sees us and he knows what it is that we're going through. So in this, as we go through the rest of the chapter, it's very important that we understand how it is that we react to others that are doing wrong to us. In verse 15, he says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now, as a body and as a family, we weep with those who weep. We just relate to them, be there for them. When people go through difficulties, when they go through tribulations, when they're going through a hard time, we want to have a heart for people. We don't want to just, well, no big deal, so what? You know, everybody goes through that. It doesn't concern me. But we're to weep with those who are weeping. Just be there. Just let them know that you care. Let them know that you're praying for them. When someone's going through tragedy, through a loss, sometimes we don't know what to say. And I think that this is a good verse for us to remember in those times. Just weep with them. Just be there for them. Uh, we can think, I've I got to come up with some magical words or whatever. Now, I've been with people in the worst times of their lives. And I don't know always what to say. Except that I'm so sorry that you're going through this loss. You're going through this tragedy. And just to be there and listen. And to know that, that there are people that care about you. And are concerned for you. 
and the Lord sees you and he still loves you and he's, he's going to be with you and, and to be able to just weep with them that weep. And we weep with those who have sorrow in their hearts and, and we can think that's hard to do, which it is, but I think it's also hard to rejoice with those who rejoice, as Paul writes. And, and you might be saying, what do you mean by that? Well, perhaps you're at work and you're up for a promotion and the other guy gets the promotion that you think didn't deserve it. I deserved that promotion. Are you going to rejoice with those who rejoice? Are you going to murmur and complain? And, and we need to trust the Lord in those times. Oh, okay, Lord, I was up for this promotion. I prayed about it. And, and you promise in your word, as we saw in Romans chapter 8, that you will not withhold anything good for those who are in Christ Jesus, that you will freely give us those things that are good. And if I didn't get that promotion, then it must not be good for me at this time, or you have something different. But it is hard to rejoice with those who rejoice at times that it seems like God's blessing them or working in their lives. Uh, even in ministry, that I can look around and why is God blessing that church down the street? And why is God blessing that ministry and, and not me as much? So we're to rejoice with those who rejoice when God is working in their lives particularly. In verse 16, be of the same mind uh, towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. And do not be wise in your own opinion. So Paul here, in this continuing in this giving these, these instructions, commandments, on how we're to conduct ourselves as Christians, he says, be of the same mind with one another. Have the same attitude towards others. And how do we do this? Well, we are told in the rest of verse 16. Don't set your mind on high things. In other words, don't be haughty. Don't be full of pride, uh, thinking that I'm better than everybody else. We remember that it was already in this chapter that when Paul, the very first thing that he says and how you and I can be a living sacrifice is don't think too highly of yourself. Be sober-minded. And we are to be ones that we have the same attitude towards others. And not to think too highly of ourselves. Don't set your mind on high things. Hey, I only associate with certain people, important people, people that can benefit me. We need to keep in mind that this is a church and that everyone is valuable to the Lord. And the Lord shows no partiality. And we are to receive one another in love. And we're to show affection, brotherly love to one another, esteem others better than ourselves, we're told in the scriptures. This is a church. This is not a social club. Now, sometimes what I hear with pastors, it can be a real temptation, and uh, particularly those who perhaps have bigger ministries, and, and, and I'm not saying this is the the motivation of all of them. When they have somebody that's well-known that comes to the church, they like to drop names. You know, you're, sometimes I've talked with other pastors and it's kind of like, well, you know, so-and-so goes to my church. And it's like, oh, really? Somebody that's well-known. Or, or they'll say, well, so-and-so is with us this morning. Somebody that's well-known in the community. Somebody who has fame or popularity or whatever. And, and kind of boasting in that a little bit. I'm not saying that all ministers do that. It's wonderful sometimes to hear those who we know that were in entertainment or had some kind of fame that have come to Christ and to hear their testimony. Of course it is. But here the scriptures reminding us that we're to show no partiality. Again, we're all valuable in God's eyes. The church is to be different. 
Jesus would rebuke the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees, for they loved the best places at the feast, the best seats in the synagogues, greeting in the marketplaces, and they loved to be called by man, Rabbi, Rabbi. Jesus went on to say in Matthew chapter 23, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So how is it that we can be exalted? We're to be humbled. How can we be great in the kingdom of God that we're to be the servant of all? So remember that the one that truly is to be exalted is the Lord, no other men. And in these verses, what we're seeing very clearly, how it is that we treat one another. Be kind, affectionate to one another. Hey, to give preference to one another. Be hospitable to one another. To rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep and be humbled. We're not to be like the world uh, that, that exalts men continually. Now, in the last part of verse 16, do not be wise in your own opinion. This is really important. It's important for me, I know. And if you have a King James, it reads, don't be wise in your own conceit. There can be a time in our lives where perhaps we're successful in our work or in our business or whatever we may do, maybe successful uh, in sports and in music and art, whatever, some area of our lives, and we're known and uh, we get noticed and all of this, all of a sudden, over time, what can happen is we become wise in our own conceit. That can play a part in, in our lives and in decisions that we make. And here we're being told, listen, don't be wise in your own conceit. Now Solomon, who had the wisdom of God, who ruled during the time that Israel had his greatest power and prestige and, and wealth, he writes in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 12, Seeth thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. And when I first read that, I thought, wow, what does that mean? Well, when a person becomes conceited, when they become prideful, what happens is, is it blinds that person of a sense of need. And what Solomon is saying, at least a fool might come to the point of, I have need of help. And what can happen in our lives is, what can happen to me in ministry is, you become successful to some you know, point, or at least you see yourself being successful uh, in your work, in your community, in the ministry for me. And, and we can forget how much we need to depend on God. And we need to always be going to Him and looking to Him and to His Word for guidance. We can start having confidence in our own conceit or wisdom, kind of like, I can do nothing wrong attitude. And I've seen it come back and bite people. And I've seen it come back and bite ministries, ministers, because they were wise in their own conceit. I'm going to just go and do what I think needs to be done without really going to the Lord and seeking Him. And I always want to be to that place where, Lord, I want to seek you. I want to be humble before you. Every time that I walk into this place, every decision that needs to be made, I, I want you, Lord, to guide me and direct me. Because I know that one of the biggest dangers to this church is if I start doing what I want to do rather than what the Lord wants to do. It was David, he became prideful and he counted the people. Remember that at the end of 2 Samuel? And you think, what was that all about? He was prideful. He didn't count the people because he wanted a census. He wanted to know how many fighting men he had. And he was trusting in his army rather than trusting the Lord. And he paid a heavy price for it. So we are to depend on him 
no matter how successful we might be in the eyes of others. To look to the Word of God concerning, you know, our business, our conduct, our, our you know, behavior, when it comes to living our lives, when it comes to ministry, and to know that He will guide us every day. In verse 17, repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. That reads, provide good things in the sight of all men. In our conduct, in our behavior, people should see that we desire to do what is good, not evil, not being vengeful, not wanting to get back, strike back, or be dishonest and deceitful. But rather, it is evident to others that we desire to do what is right, what is honest. So repay no one evil for evil, which tells me this, that people are going to do evil to you. That they will do wrong. They will be dishonest to you. And people might do evil to you just because you are a Christian. And when that happens, listen. Remember that God, you know, never deals with evil when someone does evil. God doesn't tell us, okay, they lied to you. What you need to do is lie about them. They ripped you off. You need to look for an opportunity to, you know, to, to rip them off. They did you wrong. You need to be vengeful and get back. It will harm the cause of Christ when people see a Christian that will repay evil for evil. But you provide what is good, what is right, and that it is evident in the sight of others. If we, we repay evil with evil, then people will say, well, you as a Christian or you Christians are no different than everybody else in the world. So if somebody steals from me, I'm not going to steal from them. If somebody slanders me, I'm not going to slander back, but rather you respond to what is right and honest and good. And people then will know that there's something different about us. If you decide to repay evil for evil, hey, he slandered me, I'm going to slander him or her. Uh, They lied about me, I'm going to lie about them. They took me on this deal, I'm going to wait for my opportunity to get back. Do not expect God to bless it because he will not. And here's an important principle for our lives. Don't let others determine how you're going to react. Let God determine how you're going to react. And sometimes that's not easy. Don't let others determine how you're going to react. Let God determine how you're going to react. Let his word guide you on what you're to do. And as you do, you will provide what is good. And people will see that and God will bless it. And Paul kind of expands on this theme to the end of the chapter. Verse 18, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So we're to live peaceably with all men, not to be in conflict and contention and dispute with others, as much as depends on you. In other words, you're not the source of conflicts and contentions and fightings with others. But I notice that Paul states here, if it is possible, which tells me that there may be times where it may not be possible. But as much as depends on you, you live peaceably with others. But there may be those who do not want that. It it may not be possible. There are some people that they just live in constant, you know, conflict and dispute with others. They're they're always, you know, um, upset and causing problems. And unfortunately, there have been those even in the church, not many, but over my years of ministry, they are in conflict and contention with other Christians and with the church, you know, constantly and being negative and bringing up problems and stirring division up and all of this. And some people, I've learned this, and I pray it's never said of us, that there's been some people I've dealt with that some people are just plain mean. 
And there are people that will come into a church looking to be, you know, divisive and for a fight and contention and all of this. And there are those times they don't want peace and they don't want unity. They're not interested in the good of others. And so it would be Paul that would write to young Titus, the pastor, and say, reject a divisive person after the first and second warning. And of course, there are other biblical guidelines given when a Christian doesn't want peace with others. But what I hope and pray for all of us that are here listening to this, that we would never be the source of division and conflict and, and that we would desire for when there is any kind of dispute or something, that we desire unity. We desire there to be a resolution and for a coming together for clarity and understanding. But live peaceably with others is what he says. In verse 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So again, our natural reaction, the tendency is when somebody does evil to us, we want to strike back. You know, you poke me in the eye, it's not an eye for an eye. I'm going to break out your teeth. And here Paul has been instructing us that we are not to be vengeful. And the reason is, as soon as you are vengeful, first of all, you are taken away from God, which he is responsible for. I've come to understand that he says to us, don't be vengeful. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It's like he's saying, don't you mess with it because you can't handle it. And when we have the mindset, I'm going to get back and strike back and pay back, we have taken the matter out of God's control and putting it into our own control. And we are saying that, Lord, you cannot or you don't want to deal with this. And we stop trusting and not walking in faith that vengeance belongs to him. You know, God is a just God. And he is perfectly just. And there are some that are going to pass through the services this morning. They're thinking, well, you know, they did rotten to me. They abandoned me. They did this to me. It doesn't seem like that anything has happened to them. Listen, no one is getting away with anything in this life. Because they will give an account to it before God. And I know that this is a hard one because that neighbor, that coworker, that family member has been nasty to me, and I just want to get back at them. Hey, you, you told lies about me. You ripped me off. You slandered me. You deserted me. You hurt me. And you and I were to give it to the Lord. You know, one of the lessons I've learned, because I've had people come against me in ministry, and one of the things I think for most of us that are in this room that have lived any length of time, that we will have people come against us. And there are times where people will lie about you. There are times people lie about me. They're, they're going, you know, Pastor Jeff taught about this and said this. It's like, I didn't say that. You know, what do you mean? I even have it on record. <laughs> you know, it's recorded. And, and they'll just make up things. But one of the things that I have learned over time is people may try to ruin your reputation, but only you can ruin your character. People may try to ruin your reputation, but only you can ruin your character. And we're to have godly character and trust in the Lord. And I know that I've trusted in the Lord. Okay, Lord, you know, this group is saying this or this person's, you know, saying this. It's not true. And the Lord has been so good and he's dealt with it. 
And we repay no one evil for evil because, again, you yourself will be overcome with evil. Verse 21, if you say, I'll pay them back, I'll get them, it's not going to turn out well. And it's just going to escalate and it's going to go downhill from there. God says you overcome evil with good. You trust God, you do what is right, and in so doing, you heap coals of fire on his head. Now, you might be thinking, there we go. Now we're talking. Fire and brimstone, you know. David would, you know, uh, sometimes in the honesty of his psalms, he would write, Lord, break out their teeth, <laughs> you know, things like that. And we can feel that when we've been hurt or betrayed or somebody's come against us. You know, let, you know, fire come down, heaps of coal on their head. But we got to look at the context here. That's not what's being said. Because, it, you know, if we're thinking God's going to call down fire and brimstone on them, that's not the context of what is being spoken here. So what does it mean? Well, we're not exactly sure. The best guess that, that I've read on and, and others have commented on is it may refer to an Egyptian practice that was picked up uh, by the Hebrews uh, of a person showing repentance by carrying a, a pan of coal on his head. Or in this culture at this time, they didn't have furnaces like what we have today, right? So you had a fire, and if your fire went out, the coals went out, or you're out of coals to, to put a you know, coal on your head to bring them to you, it's showing kindness on your part and, and being humbled and, and coming to help and to desire for there to be forgiveness and restoration. It could be that as well. But we do know this, that in the context, you overcome evil with good. And some of us that are here have the testimony of somebody who is real nasty to you, and you put it in God's hands, and God dealt with them. And you did what was right, and they turned from that. And they ended up seeing their wrong. So these things here, as we, we close here, to remember that these are commandments that are given to us to bless those who persecute you, to, to, to not set your mind on high things, associate with the humble, be, don't be wise in your own opinion, repay no one evil for evil, have regard for good things. Have godly character when there are those who come against you. And understand this, that the Lord says, vengeance is mine. Because he can take care of it a whole lot better than you and I can take care of it. And I think about how Jesus, how they spat on him, how they did him wrong. You know, Jesus could have called down fire from heaven. He could have easily done that. He could have spoken and you know, 12 legions of angels, he said, could come down. Could have wiped out the whole world, but he didn't do it because he was going to go and do good and give us hope. And he would say, Father, forgive them when he was on that cross, for they do not know what they do. And he would die for you and for me as the greatest crime in humanity's history is that we crucified the Son of God, but it was for a purpose, and that was for good for you and for me. And we belong to the Lord. So... We put every area of our lives, even the difficult areas, into his hands and say, Father, this is yours. I'm, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to look to you that you are going to take care of me. You're my defender. You're my protector. You're everything that I need. And as I do, I know that I'm going to see your hand working. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for, Lord, these instructions that are given to us. And they're not easy. Um, to apply in our lives at times because 
I, like anyone else, I, I can get angry, I get upset, I get hurt. Um, I, I, I want to say something back that will be hurtful. I want to get back. I want to, Lord, take matters into my own hands when I'm to give it to you. And Lord, we know that this, this section here is not telling us that we are to be taken advantage of or abused or be a doormat for anybody, but how it is that we react when these things happen in our lives, so somebody hurting us or, Lord, somebody coming against us or speaking ill of us, that we want to have godly character. And, Lord, that we want to overcome evil with good. Because that's what Jesus did. He went to the cross. He died for our sins. He rose again to give us hope. And as we consider Jesus, what happened, and as he freely and willingly went to that cross, even as we saw on Wednesday that in that heavenly scene of Revelation, that John saw as one, a lamb that was slain. And we know that in that heavenly scene, he bears the mark of the sufferings that he went through, marred more than any other man, Isaiah says. They pulled out his beard, they beat him, they flogged him with that cat of nine tails, pinned him to that cross, but it was for us to bring forgiveness and salvation to us. So I want to pray, if there's anyone here, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. He went to the cross. Evil was done to him that he might bring good. And the good is he died for your sins. He rose from the grave. He's the son of God. And he loves you. And he desires for you to turn to him for salvation if you've never done that. For you to come and be forgiven. To be a new creation in Christ, born again by the Spirit of God. To have right relationship with the Father. It only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And then, as you come to him, he'll give you the power to live these things that we talked about today. But you can't do it in your own energy. None of us can. Come to Jesus if you've never done that. That's the first step. And you can pray where you are in your heart sincerely. Jesus, I come to you and I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for me, so forgive me. And I believe that you're alive, speaking to my heart. I ask that you would be my personal Lord and Savior. I want to know you and walk with you. And Lord, I want to live for you. Help me with that. And I thank you for saving me and giving me this new beginning in Jesus' name. And as we are going to have somebody up front here praying it for anyone who needs prayer at the end of the service, Come up and tell me the decision you made, if anyone did. But for all of us, that we are Christians, we have the Spirit of God in us, that we would depend on you, Lord, for these areas that can be difficult. And I also pray, as we have learned how it is that we are to react to one another, to be kindly affectionate, giving preference to one another, being humble before you, not thinking too highly of ourselves. Because if it wasn't for you, we would all be lost. And the foot of the cross is flat. And you show no partiality. We're all valuable in your eyes. So we, may we love one another with that love that you love us. 
that may we live peaceably with others, desiring for there to be unity, especially in these days that we're in. And Lord, that we would look to you, that any harm comes to us or wrong, that we would allow you to work in that situation and trust in you because you are our protector. You're our high tower. You're our defender. You're our help, our strength, our comfort, our wisdom. You're everything that we need. And Lord, that the world would see that and others would see that. And it would be a testimony of the reality of Jesus in our lives. So Lord, I do pray for those who perhaps are going through a hard time. Maybe they're going through a hard situation. We weep with those who weep. But Lord, perhaps those who come against them, that for all of us, when we do, that you would work out these things in our lives in a very real way. Keeping our eyes on you, magnifying you looking for you to give us counsel and wisdom in everything in every area of our lives. Bless everyone here again. Again, we thank you this weekend for those who are away from their homes that are serving our nation in an honorable way. We thank you for the freedoms that we have. Those who went before us, who paid the ultimate sacrifice. That we can have what we have. May we never take it for granted. And I pray for this nation that there would be a turning back to you. That there would be a turning to that which is decent and good. We would repent from our sins. And Lord, that we would trust in you once again as a nation. So Lord, help us. We need you so desperately. And we pray that you would pour out your spirit on our communities and that we, the church, would stand on the gospel, the truth of your word, and proclaim it boldly with love. So, Lord, thank you that we're able to do that. We just pray for you working in our lives, in this church, and in our nation. We commit it all to you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand?